This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Good morning, Canada. Welcome inside Golf Talk Canada here on TSN 1050 until noon. And we're also on TSN 2 as we are after all big major tournaments. Recapping the U.S. Open. What a week it was. We'll have a star-studded cast of people joining us on the show. We have Kristen Murphy, our golf reporter, who will join us in studio in hour two. Jamie Rydell, TSN producer extraordinaire. Etienne Papineau, who just won on PGA Tour Canada. Bob Weeks will join us from LACC in about half an hour. And joining us first on the line, making his way home, Mark Zacchino from LACC. Mark, how are you this morning? Good morning, Scully. It's a bit of the land of zombies this morning. Um, two two opens back to back. We're putting a bow on it. So um, glad uh, glad uh, we got a winner in in, in regulation. Yeah, that <laughs> everybody's like, who are you pulling for? I'm like the guy who wins on the 72nd green is who I'm pulling for. Yeah, the guy who has the trophy at the end of the day, ideally on Sunday night. But so much to get to for this U.S. Open. Rory McIlroy, another close call. Scotty Scheffler continues to hit the ball very well, but can't buy a putt when it matters most. Ricky Fowler almost winning a major championship for the first time in his career. And of course, LACC, a hot topic. How was the golf course? Little quirky, some would say. We'll get in all of it, but first, let's hit it with some news and some headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger, everybody knows one. All right, Mark, we got to start with the guy who's holding the trophy, whose life has changed forever. Wyndham Clark, the 2023 U.S. Open champion. Now, he wouldn't say he came out of nowhere, so to speak, given he won on the PGA Tour about a month ago. But just overall, how impressed were you by Wyndham Clark? Yeah, you know, those are two pretty good wins. You know, uh, obviously yesterday, uh, signature victory at U.S. Open, uh, some big names chasing them. Pretty impressive. Uh, and maybe we should all see this coming. Maybe, you know, we did not put enough uh, credit or put enough weight in the victory at Quail Hollow. And you wonder, win at a golf course like Quail Hollow against the field that was down there for the Wells Fargo, um, maybe it should have been on our radar a little bit more. And it wasn't. You know, I kind of felt like, it. oh, good for Wyndham Clark. He finally won. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, good, you know. And that and I kind of moved past it. But when you win at places like Quill Hollow or you win at places like, you know, Riviera or Muirfield and, and against really good fields on really good golf courses, you know, maybe it's uh, preparing you a little bit more for what we saw yesterday. The one thing I can say, and you can't take anything away from him, a victory is a victory. And, I mean, the short game to me, was really the impressive part. I would say, you know, normally, Scully, we'd be talking about the driving of the golf ball and whatnot, but I'm wondering at this particular golf course, and I know, 
it was firm, and I know there's a lot of camber in the fairways and whatnot, but these are the widest fairways, you know, with the exception of Aaron Hills, these are the widest fairways we're ever going to see at a U.S. Open. So I don't know how much weight or importance we put on his game off the tee. I'm really going to look at the short game. You know, the up and down at 11, the up and down at 17. I mean, those were really opportunities where if you had nerves, if there was doubt, you likely would have seen it there. The touch from 60 feet on the last green, I mean, those are the little things that you lose when you're feeling nervous. Those soft hands, those moments, opportunities where you can speed up instead of slow down. And he was just able to kind of dial it in when he got inside 50 feet, excuse me, inside 50 yards. And um, the one thing that I would say that is a little disappointing, I feel like in a way, I don't know how you feel about this, but I don't feel like anybody really, truly pressed him. Uh, Did they hang around and keep it close? Yes. Did he need to get it in the house with pars? Yes. But no one was out there making birdies. No No one made a key putt at a key time to really press him. The opportunity really fell on Rory McIlroy's shoulders, and he was unable to come through in any capacity. So that would be the only thing I would, I could, you know, put a little asterisk in a sense on that. But at the end of the day, he did what he had to do under pressure, and it was a pretty amazing win. It really was, and we're going to get into Rory here shortly. But for me, the the big turning point mark came on the eighth hole when Wyndham Clark going for the par five in two. It's a very solid shot. It's a bad bounce into that Barranca. And he tries to chip out, and the ball goes nowhere. Right then and there, that easily could have been seven, eight, nine. That could have been complete horror for Wyndham Clark. Instead, he blasts that over the green, gets up and down for a pretty darn good bogey, all things considered. But to your point, too, it was the short game that really got it done. You think that 11th hole, too, they said it on the broadcast, that chip, it was almost like a, a trick shot, really, to, to have the, 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 the stones to hit that shot under that kind of pressure and combine that with the ball speeds this guy was pulling off. Overall, this was just a really remarkable performance. Yeah, it's funny because on eight, I, I said to Graham, who was sitting beside me, I said, we were watching the broadcast, and I said, if, if there's such thing as moment, a momentum-building bogey, that's it. Because to your point, that could have gone, that could have been seven, that could have been eight. And, and especially if you're not in control of your emotions and you're not in control of just you know your process and the way you're thinking, that's when things start unraveling. That's when things start speeding up. That's when you start, start making really poor decisions. And instead... He gets out of there with what is a fairly remarkable six and, and 11. They said even on the broadcast, oh, I wouldn't be surprised before they went to break. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw putter here. Mm. And, you know, we come back from break and, and a few, you know, a few swings later and, and he's got the lob wedge wide open on a very tight lie and, you know, hitting the shot that he thinks is the most appropriate shot to, you know, cut the legs off from under it and get it up and down. So, yeah, it, it, to me, you're right. It was the short game, and at the end of the day, that's really, I think, the test that this golf club will be remembered for will be, you know, kind of those little shots, uh, the bounces. It, you know, it was firm yesterday for the second day in a row. These guys, you know, if you were hitting anything substandard, it was not going to check up. It was not going to hold around the hole. Um, 
it's interesting. You know, we're talking about a U.S. Open, and I feel like driving was never part of really part of the process. Look at Rory McIlroy. Did anybody drive it better than Rory this week? No. Likely not. You know, and at the end of the day, I don't know if it meant that much. You know, we stood up on the 72nd hole with someone with a one-shot lead who needed to hit a fairway, and you know, we were conceding that fairway before you know before the 17th hole was over. We were already really conceding the fairway on 18. Um, it was an interesting week. I still like the golf course. I'm still a fan of the golf course. I think it's a fun golf course. Uh, really interesting corridors of this golf course. You know, six, seven, eight is probably the most volatility in a row on the golf course. It's too bad that didn't come a little later in the in the round, so to speak, so that we could see maybe a bit of a flip um, in terms of leaderboard. But overall, still very good. I just think that. Uh, people want the U.S. Open to have a certain identity, and that's what lit them up on social media, and that's what people are are complaining about. They're going, you know, if this was a PGA maybe, or if this was, I don't know, something along those lines, they can't get over the fact that a U.S. Open is is supposed to have rough, supposed to make you put it in the fairway off the tee, and this course was just very different than that. It certainly was, and on the other side, we'll get into Rory, into Scotty Scheffler, into Ricky Fowler, but let's dive right into the course conversation now. In the last five years, the average winning score at the PGA Championship has been 8.2 under par. In the last five years at the U.S. Open, the average score to par has been 8.2 under par. Is that an issue, Mark, given, you know, we, we see the U.S. Open, it's always known as golf's toughest test, and you have to hit fairways. But now the PGA Championship sort of morphing into the a U.S. Open junior, so to speak. What, what needs to change here? Because, I mean, Thursday, obviously the conditions were, were much easier, given the Marine layer in, given Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley both set single-round scoring records within about a 20-minute span. But the rest of the tournament seemed to play a little harder, so to speak, more firm, more fast, that sort of thing. But what do you think needs to change from a course setup perspective from the U.S. Open? Well, I think it's a question for the USGA, right? Uh, If their identity is still to be the hardest test in golf, and that's still, you know, what they're selling this championship as and i don't know if they are because if you know based on what we saw this week it sounds to me or it looks to me like they're willing to now maybe bring the open championship to some different spots and potentially try some some courses you know outside the quote-unquote rota that we have seen over the years um next year we're off the piners which is you know their new secondary home and People forget that the last time we were at Piners, that you know that was a very different open as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, there, you know, there's no rough at Piners, so I mean, it, we're, don't, you're not going to see a traditional U.S. Open again until we get to Oakmont in, in 25. Um, it's it's funny because it, it feels a little like the PGA Championship has morphed into the kinder, gentler U.S. Open. You know, it's tough the PGA Championship. Uh, and, and it's and it feels it's starting to feel a little bit more traditional, but it's like okay, well, what would the U.S. Open look like if the players set it up? You know, and that it's, it's almost yeah. like the PGA Championship is turning that because you know Oak Hill is very traditional, very thick rough, but never crossed the line, uh, never unfair, but just a real stern test and full examination tee to green. I'm not so sure that's what we got this week. I, I don't know, but again. Does it matter? 
I mean, is the U.S. Open okay that, you know, one year we're at Wingfoot and, and Oakmont and Shinnecock, and that's what you're going to get, that very traditional even par U.S. Open where you've got to do absolutely everything in the bag well. Mm-hmm. And some years you're going to get, you know, LACC is, this is hilarious, Adam, but LACC is, you know, it's back on the calendar yeah. for 2039. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. believe we're talking. Hopefully we're all retired by then, right? Not you. Bob well, and I, maybe. Yeah. Bob and I, maybe. I don't know about you. You still got a long way to go, but I don't know. 2039 is a long way out. How do you feel? Do you feel, I, you know, I... I'm so confused by this, Adam, because I was always one of those guys that said, I like my majors with identity. In other words, I like my masters with roars on Sunday from, you know, from the Valley with Eagles and and volatility. That's what I want on my masters. And and I want players, you know, going for par fives and two and whatnot. And I want my open championship dictated by mother nature. And I want my U S open to be that, you know, that massacre at winged foot, you know what I mean? I, that's, that's what I want. That's what I've always kind of felt that you need that identity. But now I'm kind of softening on that a little bit. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm in a very similar boat too, because, you know, we've spoken at length on this show back in 2013 at Marion. You played there about six weeks ago where at the golf course, less than 7,000 yards and a score of over par one that week. And people have made the argument that the last three holes at LACC playing over 500 yards, par fours, but that doesn't really matter because of how firm and fast the fairways were playing. But to your point about the 18th hole, Wyndham Clark, after just making a couple of pretty nervy bogeys, he, he looked really, he was unflappable for a lot of this tournament, but then you could start to see the nerves were really coming into play. And then on the 18th tee, when he hits that tee shot, this thing looks like it's going out of bounds, right? But no, you're still in the fairway. To have a, a fairway 60 yards wide on the 72nd hole, I found that to be kind of boring, personally, in terms of a, a core setup. You want the U.S. Open, you want players to be tested as much as possible. And yes, it was a great two-putt by Wyndham Clark. But to be able to basically hit a banana slice into the middle of, into the right side of the fairway and have a wide-open shot, to me, that's not great. That's just my perspective, Mark. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to argue with you at all there. I th- I, you know, I think you're bang on. Um, it's funny, we walked out on Saturday evening with Andy North, mm. you know, a U.S. Open champion who was working, I'm assuming, ESPN this week. Mm-hmm. And he was with someone anyway, working. And um, on our way out, he said, you know, someone's going to get to that hole uh, tomorrow night. And, you know, in traditional U.S. Open fashion, we're going to be waiting for that individual to kind of man up and put that drive in the fairway. And he said, that situation tomorrow night is not going to occur. Someone's going to get there, you know, with a lead of some kind or an opportunity to win of some kind, and they're not going to have to man up. They're just, we're just going to concede that fairway to them. And that's kind of exactly what happened. The man up uh, moment of the 18th hole came on a 59-foot lag putt. It really didn't come with a tee shot, did it? And, uh, yeah, it was, it was very, very different in terms of uh, – a U.S. Open, and if you're a traditionalist, I mean, you absolutely hated uh, the last four days. If you are a traditionalist in the sense that uh, you know you want your wing, you want your wing foot of the world, etc., you, you probably found very little joy. And to your point about 
you know, three par fours in a row playing over 500 yards coming home. I've said this till I'm blue in the face, and I'll keep saying it. You, you can't make it long enough. The distance does not protect the golf course from these guys. What protects the golf course from these guys is forcing them to put it in the fairway, forcing them to create angles, forcing them to hit, you know, play shots and, and move the golf ball in ways that they don't normally move it anymore week in and week out. These guys don't shape shots anymore. They don't play angle, angles. Look at what happens every year when we get to Riviera. Riviera not long by modern day standards. We get there in February. There's no rough in February at Riviera. All the grass is pretty much dormant. The angles are so sharp. We ask them to play an old school version of golf, and the modern day player usually wins about eight nine under in a tr- in just a normal PGA Tour setup. I mean, you've got to protect the golf course in setup. You can make it as long as you want, and if you've got sixty yard wide fairways and allowing them to play the bomb and gouge. Um, you're not you're not going to be able to protect it very much. Well, well, regardless of how the course was set up, it was Wyndham Clark who gets it done in just his seventh career major start. He will forever be known as a U.S. Open champion. Mark, on the other side, we're going to take a deep dive into Rory McIlroy, another golden opportunity to win a major championship, and he can't get it done on Sunday yet again. We'll discuss Rory and Scotty Scheffler next. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio on TSN 1050 until noon. You can also watch us on TSN 2, as we always do, the Monday after major Tournaments. Mark Skino now continues to join us on the line. He's on a flight to L- from L.A. to Toronto in about four hours or so. And Mark, as has become tradition for us here on Golf Talk Canada, the Sunday after, or Monday after a major championship, Rory McIlroy in the mix yet again. Can't get it done on Sunday, what did you see from Rory McIlroy in the final round of the U.S. Open? Oh, you know, it's so sad, really, isn't it, Adam? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Tita Green, for most of the week, he's one of the, you know, the, the, the best premier ball strikers in the world. Again, I mean, you know, how many times do we have to watch him hit, you know, 382, 388 drives off one, and everybody's like, oh, you know. Uh, everybody's in awe of his speed and power and how high and how far he hits it. And none of it matters if you make zero putts, like literally zero putts. I, I was, I think I text you. I was joking. I said, you know, has anyone ever won the U S open before with never making a putt? It almost mm-hmm. happened. He came so close to winning the U S open and literally made no putts at all of any substance on the entire Sunday round. I mean, it was sad. And did he roll it pretty good? Like, did it look like the ball was tracking? You know, Bob mentioned on Saturday night that one of the keys for Rory on Sunday was getting the golf ball to the hole, like not limping it up to the cup. 
And I think he, he might have even been listening to Bob Saturday night because he actually got most of his putts past the cup. There was a couple that pulled up like painfully shy. They were more of the lag putt variety where they, he left himself, you know, four or five footers where you're like, whoa. But the putts that he was trying to hold, those putts in the 10, 15-foot range, 18-foot range, he got him by the hole. He made none of them, absolutely none of them. And you wonder, you know, what do you do from here? And the wedge he hit, the sand wedge he hit from 125 on a perfect lie in the 14th fairway is when you consider the level of player we're talking about, a four-time major champion, a multiple FedEx Cup champion, the number three player in the world, likely the most naturally gifted golfer since Tiger Woods, that may be one of the worst wedge shots I have ever seen in my life from 125 yards. If you, Bob, or I hit that shot anywhere uh, playing golf together just out on a casual day, we would be disgusted in ourselves for missing the putting surface from 125. And he had to ask for a free lift from an embedded ball in the side of the wall of the bunker. I mean, it was horrific. I mean, I don't know how you hit that shot in that situation. I have no idea. Well, Rory McIlroy is 162nd on the PGA Tour in approaches from 125 to 150 yards. And Rory said after the round that he thought it was the perfect number, but he didn't hit the shot at the right time. He should have waited for the wind as it was freshening, taking his words uh, at the time. Uh, bizarre to say the least. And he, he, he got a break too, Mark, because that easily could have been an embedded ball. That easily could have been a fried egg in that bunker. Of course, doesn't get up and down to make bogey there. Of course, misses, doesn't hit the hole from four feet uh, for birdie on the eighth hole. But for me, let's go to the 72nd hole again. He has all the freedom in the world, hits the fairway like he did a lot this week. But that approach shot, hitting it to 41 feet, that, that just wasn't good enough, Mark. You know, especially, you know, he's trying to hit the big high fade there, and he double crosses it. And, you know, the double cross, I mean, that's, again, it's a, it's a situation where you've you got to think in your mind, I need to make a three here. And he just can't, cannot pull it off when he needs it. And that's what happens. Listen, at the end of the day, if he could pull off the shot when he needed it, if he could make the putt when he had to have it, we wouldn't be talking nine years and counting, right? Yep. That's, that's what we're at. And the three of us have chatted about this now, it seems, every year, that it feels like he's trying to win a major for the first time. That's, that's kind of where we're at right now. It's like mm-hmm. those four majors, that was, a, that was a lifetime ago. That was a different human being. That was a freewheeling kid with no scar tissue uh, that kind of you know was a gopher broke really didn't think much around the golf course, wasn't working with sports psychologists, uh, wasn't having long conversations with himself nights before majors. That version of Rory McIlroy back in 2014 and and prior was a kid that just went out and played golf. And this version, nine years later from that last major, is is really feels like a player who – is trying to get it done for the first time. And we know how hard that, that elephant can be. You saw it yesterday with Ricky Fowler, how big it is to carry that around. And Rory's carrying around a very similar elephant right now in, in every room he walks into four times a year. Mm-hmm. Certainly is. And Rory, after the round, said, and I'm quoting him here, I would go through 100 Sundays like this to get my hands 
on another major championship. And right now, Rory McIlroy is the betting favorite on FanDuel to win the Open Championship in about five weeks. So that'll be a big storyline for us here on Golf Talk Hand. Well, Mark, safe travels today. I know it's been a very, very busy little run here between the RBC Canadian Open, the U.S. Open. I'm glad your vocal cords have recovered from last Sunday, Nick Taylor's win and your iconic call. Safe travels today, and we'll see you for Golf Talk Canada Television tomorrow night. Okay, and on Wednesday, we'll break down uh, putter options for Scotty Scheffler <laughs> and uh, why we're shocked that we're still seeing the same putter in the bag. I think, think so. Scotty Scheffler might be on the horn with Ricky Fowler and Wyndham Clark. Get that long counterbalance putter, <laughs> the exact same thing. Uh, we'll discuss that, Mark, and much more on Wednesday. Mark, thanks for your time today, and safe travels. Later, Skulls. That's Mark Zacchino at Z-Man Golf on Twitter and Instagram. On the other side, Bob Week's going to join. He is also, I believe, on the same flight as Mark, but Bob will join us on the line next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio on TSN 1050 until noon as well. TSN 2 until noon as we are the Monday after a big tournament or a major championship where Wyndham Clark is a major champion. He wins the U.S. Open, a one-shot victory over Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler in third. Cameron Smith, how about that week from Cameron Smith, a fiery 67 to come in fourth place. For much more on the U.S. Open, let's go back to L.A. Let's bring in Bob Weeks, who's on his way to Toronto later this afternoon. Bob, good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning, good morning. I just had a nice, uh, I listened to one end of the conversation prior to this one. I was sitting in the back seat oh. uh, while Mark drove us to the airport. Oh. So the okay. team has arrived at the uh, Avis car return, and now we're just about to board the shuttle to get on. Okay, so I, I, I've so. been on that shuttle with you a couple of times. We've gone uh, during some of our tailor-made uh, excursions, so uh, looking forward right. to getting a play-by-play on that. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but let's <laughs> let's dive into Wyndham Clark here, because you know no one really saw this coming in terms of uh, you know, favorites heading into this past week. He was plus 8,500 on FanDuel a week ago right now heading into the U.S. Open. But how impressed were you by Clark's performance throughout the week? Well, very impressive. I mean, I think Wyndham Clark had a reputation prior to this year uh, for two things. One, of being able to hit the ball a long way. And the other one was, um, the other part, I guess, would be sort of how angry he was from time to time. Uh, he's a guy who has walked off the golf course as recently as, as uh, 2020 in the middle of a round because he was making too many bogeys. He didn't like that. It's also a guy who, uh, even up to seven months ago, said he was snapping clubs during his round. So he's, uh, he's certainly transformed himself into a well-rounded individual, both on and off the golf course, and that didn't come easily. He had a lot of work done with the uh, sports psychologist. His caddy has been very good with him. So a lot of changes in his life and, uh, and also in his golf game. 
And you got to speak with Wyndham Clark one-on-one shortly after his victory. It's currently uh, airing on the SportsCenter Morning Loop as we speak on TSN.ca. It'll be on Golf Talk Canada Television 2 tomorrow evening. What did you take away from that conversation with Wyndham? Uh, I I think sort of that he wasn't really all that shocked that he won. He really believed in himself. He believed that uh, he had a game that was good enough to to win a major championship. And when he he stepped onto the first tee, you know, the the last four players to tee off, <laughs> he was sort of the one that I think a lot of people were saying, well, who is Wyndham Clark exactly? But but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't afraid of that. He wasn't afraid to take on Rory and Scotty and Ricky. And um, I think he's uh, I, I think he's sort of felt comfortable about what he was doing and, and what he was about to do, and it showed in his games. Now, I, I, I'm making this comparison. So you interviewed Brooks Kepka after winning the 2017 U.S. Open at Aaron Hills, and he spoke about how he wasn't really nervous. He went out there, just played his game, and performed very well. Wyndham Clark appeared to be the same sort of way. And am I, am I onto something there, Bob, at all between Wyndham Clark now and Brooks Kepka back in 2017? Uh, could be a little bit. I think Brooks had a lot more kind of swagger yeah. to him. I think I think uh, I think Wyndham is a guy who's sort of gone through a lot. Of, and you know, in the room, we were we were in a pretty crowded room when that interview was taking place. Even though you only see the two of us, he had a big gathering of family and friends uh, who were there with him and supported. And he sort of reached out to them and acknowledged them. Hmm. So I think you know that part of it. I never really got with with Brooks as much as I got with. Uh, with Wyndham, I think he's. It just seems there's a lot of gratitude that he's got in his life. You know, he. I think a lot of people know the story that he lost his mother about ten years ago to breast cancer. She was the person who introduced him to golf. Um, he was. She was a, a a person who used to leave him little notes, and and that was one of the last question I asked him was about. Um, one of the notes she used to leave him was play big, and I asked him if he played big at, uh, at on Sunday, and he said, "Yeah, that's sort of the perfect definition of it." And I think that sort of sums up a little bit of, of what he has transformed his, his life to, into, um, where he's very, very grateful for what he's got. And I, I'm not saying that Brooks isn't grateful, but you sort of sensed it a lot more when you listen to, uh, when you listen to uh, Wyndham last night. Yeah, for those who haven't heard that interview, go check out tsn.ca right now. It's, it's a great interview. Uh, so kudos to you, Bob, uh, on that. Uh, you, you just heard, uh, obviously, Mark and I were talking about Rory McIlroy, so we'll get to him maybe a little later. But I want to ask you about Scotty Scheffler because he was the overwhelming betting favorite heading into this week. Another week where it hits it very well. Tee to green, not ideal on the greens. He's 138th now on the PGA Tour in strokes gain putting and first in many strokes gain categories, including total tee to green and strokes gained approach. But for a guy who has three top tens in majors this season, this seems like a disappointing week for Scotty Scheffler. How do you feel about it? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? I mean, he's, it's a little bit like what we saw with Rory. He just hits it so great. And then he gets onto the greens, and it's, and he's just seems so lost. And he did change his putter on the weekend. Uh, he used a different different putter, so uh, Mark finally got through to him. So he's been the one who's been <laughs> who's been pushing for him to change the putter, but that still really didn't work. I mean, he did sink a nice one towards the end there, at about twenty feet or so, and uh, and puts himself up there. But again, um, it's it's sort of mystifying, and, and I'm sure it's frustrating for him to sort of go through this and realize how close he can come and how easy his game could be if he could ever get the putter to work a little bit. And I mean, I know that's easier said than done, um, but 
listen, what a what another great sense. You know, you take the cup half full and you realize what a great week it was for Scotty Scheffler and another great finish. But I'm sure he's sitting there saying that's a missed opportunity more than anything. Yeah, one of the expressions, uh, regardless of your skill level in golf, is coulda, woulda, shoulda. And for Scotty Scheffler, <laughs> definitely a, a number of those too. Another huge storyline throughout the week was Ricky Fowler, of course, shoots at eight under 62, setting the single round U.S. Open scoring record. Of course, it was matched by Xander Shoffley about 18 minutes later. But for Ricky Fowler, who was 173rd in the official world golf ranking to now being back to where he is, seven top tens this season. I know Bobby didn't have the Sunday he wanted, obviously. But looking ahead now, how, how optimistic should fans of Ricky Fowler be? Yeah, I think for people who, uh, who are casual followers, I don't think people have seen how well Ricky has been playing leading into this. He's really had a, a strong season compared to what it was, say, a year ago or two years ago when he fell way down in the world rankings. Uh, I mean, last year at the U.S. Open, he was the first alternate. He didn't even get into the U.S. Open. He sat around it at the country club waiting and hoping someone was going to pull a hammy so he could get in the field at the last minute. But his game has been working well over the last, you know, six to seven months or so. And, and I think if, you, um, if you're a fan of golf, you're a fan of Ricky Fowler because I think he's just one of those guys that everyone loves to watch, everyone loves to follow, and I think it's a nice story for him. I think, you know, he, again, is su- such a good competitor that he views it as a, a miss. Mm-hmm. But I think in the bigger picture, you've got to sh- say that this is, this is a return for Ricky, um, a, a guy who's, you know, moved himself back into the top 50 in the world rankings and is, is really uh, now, a, again, a genuine threat to win a major championship. Yeah, and we saw Ricky Fowler, you know, play well at, uh, at, at 2014 at that Open Championship where Rory McIlroy obviously went on to win. That was Rory's last major championship win. Now, Rory McIlroy, 19 top 10s since uh, at majors since that last major championship victory in 2014 you had Rory on your edge team last week Bob this is a, it's been another good season for Rory maybe not to his expectations in terms of winning but in your mind where does Rory go from here well hopefully he goes to the putting green <laughs> and practices a little bit I mean this one was very reminiscent of last year's open championship where Tita Green he hit it so well but he just could not get a putt to go and up until the last couple of holes, I mean, he, the longest putt he sank was just over six feet, I think, and he hadn't sunk anything from from a little over four feet. You know, everything was was just slipping out or just curling on the high side. You know, it was it, it has to be frustrating. It was frustrating to watch it, and I can imagine for Rory that uh, that he was frustrated by it. But I think you know he he played a pretty smart approach in that. I think he was sort of trying to Tiger Woods them to death and the rest of the field in terms of, I'm just going to sit here, I'm going to make pars, I'm not going to make any bogeys, and it worked. Graham Dillette was the one who sort of pointed that out. It's very reminiscent of what Tiger did while other guys are dropping around him. He's just kind of letting them fall by the wayside, but not necessarily pushing too hard on the accelerator. But I think he needed to do that a little bit more, obviously, to catch uh, Wyndham Clark, and he had opportunities. He had lots of chances there the putts weren't all that close that he had. He didn't hit a ton that were, you know, inside ten feet. But um, but I think this is this is a as as Roy described it earlier in the week. You know, when he when he doesn't win these amateurs, it's like a punch to the gut. And this was definitely another punch to the gut because this was this was there for him to win.
it certainly was there for him to win, and I'm sure he'll rue that approach shot on the 14th hole from 125 yards coming up short in the bunker, that's for sure. Now, of course, LACC was the host this past weekend, was a hot topic of conversation in terms of whether people liked it or didn't like it. I didn't ask Mark about this because I wanted to get your perspective on this, Bob. The 15th hole, the short par three, played 81 yards on Saturday. It was more around 125, 130 throughout the week. What did you think of the 15th hole, first of all? Uh, the 15th hole, I thought, was a pretty cool hole. It, um, I think the players, when they put it, when they moved the tee up to the 81 yards, I think some of the players thought it was a little gimmicky, and it was, you know, it still played difficult. The short does not necessarily mean easy. I think there were eight birdies or something like that on there. It wasn't, wasn't a ton of birdies being made, but, but Adam Hadwin had a good point afterwards. He said, you know, the shot you hit is so short that you can't really generate any spin on the ball or enough spin to hold the green at where the flag was. It's, it's, Mark had a great description of it. He said it's like trying to land a golf ball on a pool table. <laughs> that, that's about yeah. the size of the area you had to land it on. And I think, um, I think if you don't have that spin, you know, most players were just kind of hitting it longer and left and, and hoping to two-putt. So um, it was interesting. I'm glad they tried it. Uh, was it gimmicky? Probably to a certain point, but probably just as gimmicky as 300 yards uh, 300 yard par threes as well. So that was the other end of the stick. So I don't know. You know, the, the overall feel about the, the golf course wasn't that great for most of the players that I talked to. Nobody was raving about it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And, and how about the overall atmosphere? Because watching it on television, it just it didn't seem like a major championship, to be blunt. What, what did it seem kind of quiet? Yeah. It, it definitely was quiet. Um, I think a lot of that is due to. The way the course is kind of constructed, the eight, first tee, 18th green, 10th tee, and 9th green were all kind of in a little area. So there was no big grandstand behind the 18th green. It was sort of weird in that way. Uh, and on the first tee, the only people who really could get close to the golfers were people sitting on the patio of the clubhouse, you know, sitting there having their avocado toast or whatever they were doing, I don't know, in the morning. It, was, it just seemed so bizarre and and there was a, it was hard to walk around like you couldn't just start on the first hole and walk along um finishing up at 18 green there were all sorts of detours and stops and dead ends uh, i mean give me give me oakdale that's that's a way better yeah. way better experience uh, in terms of fan and stuff for me i love that part but um it's uh it was a bizarre u.s open it's not you know when you go to new york or somewhere like that or beth page and see them all there it's uh it's just so different than than what we got this week yeah totally and you know you mentioned oakdale there and you know we spent a lot of our show last monday talking about oakdale and of course nick taylor now nick taylor didn't make the cut this past week at the u.s open which is not a surprise given the whirlwind of a time it must have been three canadians making the cut hughes hadwin Benson. Uh, but overall, from Nick Taylor, you, you spoke to him, Bob, a couple of days after that big victory. Were you surprised to see what he had uh, in terms of game at the U.S. Open? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I thought he would have been just dead to the world after what he went through. And, I mean, you know, he, he, he said, you know, they didn't, they didn't get out on the charter, which was reserved for most of the other players. He, he luckily got a private jet take him on Monday. Mm-hmm. He didn't practice a ton. He practiced, you know, nine holes. Tuesday, Ninals, Wednesday, and, and I think even though he wouldn't really admit it, I honestly think that he was out of gas, and uh, I think he's pretty happy to be back home. He's back in Abbotsford now with his um, month-old daughter, and I think they're going to uh, just take some time. He's going to play 
uh, he's not going to play for a little bit. I think maybe the, the Scottish Open is going to be his next stop. So um, I, I think he gets the full pass <laughs> for, yeah. for, for how he played. And uh, even though I think there was still a lot of competitive fire in, in, in him that, that showed he wanted to play a little better. No, yeah, no kidding for sure. And, you know, speaking of great Canadians playing well, it's a major this coming week uh, on the LPGA Tour, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. We'll have much more on that on Wednesday show. But, Bob, I can hear car horns. I can hear people going a little nuts in the background. Before we let you go, though, I have to ask, because I always like to ask you about your, your nightlife during major championship <laughs> weeks. Did you, producer Kaz, Mark Zucchino, Graham Dillette, was there any trivia, any egg salad sandwiches, any avocado toast? What, what, what was the game plan uh, during the night? Um, the game plan was was fairly reserved. We had a nice little uh, spot in our hotel where we could have a beverage after the uh, after the tournament was over. And the big food item this week was we discovered Uncrustables oh. and peanut butter and jam Uncrustables were were the nature. They I almost kind of went on to the egg salad style of uh, trying to keep up with the Masters, maybe counting them. But uh, I was I I had a lot of willpower and I kind of held off eating too too many of them, but. I think everybody had at least one or two on festivals. I'm not sure. Maybe Kaz. Oh, no, Kaz is giving me the thumbs down. Producer Mike Kaczynski did not have any, so okay. he was a good boy. He stayed, too. I'm kind of glad you didn't count that because that would actually be disgusting if you actually counted how many <laughs> you guys had. But uh, anyway, Bob, thanks for your time this morning. Safe travel. Say hi to the gang for me, and we'll see you for Golf Talk Canada Television airing tomorrow night. Bob, thanks for this. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Okay, see you, Bob. That's Bob Weeks at Bob Weeks TSN, Instagram, Twitter. I think he's on TikTok, too. The works. Uh, coming up on the other side, we'll tee up hour two. We'll unveil what the prizes were on 20 weeks of TaylorMade this past week. Three lucky prize winners. And we'll tee up hour two. All that and more coming up next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Wrapping up Hour 1 here on GTC, recapping the U.S. Open, where Wyndham Clark is your champion. Uh, 10 under par, a one-shot victory over Rory McIlroy. Adam Scully here in studio. Coming up in Hour 2, TSM producer extraordinaire Jamie Rydell will join me over the phone to get his perspective on the U.S. Open, on LACC, on the Canadians, and of course on Wyndham Clark's dominance and Rory McIlroy, now 19 top 10s at the major championship since his last major victory in 2014, the most of any player in that span, but still looking for that first major since 2014. As well, Etienne Papineau is going to call into the show. He uh, just won on PGA Tour Canada, and he's on the road to their next tournament later this week. Looking forward to getting his perspective on a dominant five-shot victory. The first player from Quebec to win on PGA Tour Canada since 2013. So a very big victory for Etienne Papineau who wins on PGA Tour Canada as well. Kristen Murphy, our golf reporter, will join us in studio. 
He was doing the highlight packs that have been airing all night, all morning on SportsCenter. She was doing them throughout the week as well. We'll get her perspective on Wyndham Clark's win and what it's like doing these SportsCenter highlight packs late into the night. Because as you all know, generally here in, in the Eastern time zone, sports or golf wraps up at around 6 or 7 p.m. Eastern, depending on the time of year. But this was done on Friday, on Thursday and Friday. It was around 11 o'clock p.m. and throughout the weekend at around 10. So we'll get uh, Murph's perspective on that. And want to hear what she thought about LACC, too, because Corky was used a, a couple of times. Certain players really didn't like it. Brooks Kepka, Victor Hovland, Matt Fitzpatrick, amongst those who uh, voiced their displeasure about LACC. Certainly a different venue, but I'm curious to see what it will be like when they're back at LACC in 16 years. I can't believe that is actually a real thing, but we have course setups and course availability now 16 years uh, down the road. I mentioned before we went to break, 20 weeks of TaylorMade. Of course, it continues throughout the summer here on GTC. A little different this year with our fantasy pool. Check out golftalkcanada.com. Go to the 20 weeks of TaylorMade tab. You pick your six players, and you're in a fantasy pool every week to win some great prizes. We're giving away over $40,000 in products throughout the year. And this past week, because it was a major Major giveaway. So three prizes were available. First place, set of tailor-made P700 irons. Your choice on which series of irons or which line of irons you wanted. Second place, a tailor-made Stealth 2 Plus driver. Yes, the same driver. Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, Colin Morikawa, Dustin Johnson as well using uh, that driver. That was for second place. And for third place, six dozen TP5, TP5X golf ball. Stay tuned to our social media channels. We'll tell you who won all three of those prizes. And I believe we're now halfway through 20 weeks of TaylorMade. The summer goes by too quickly. It's not even officially summer. We're already down three of the men's majors uh, this season. The Open Championship about five weeks away. And this week... On the LPGA Tour, it's the KPMG Women's PGA Championship where Canadian Brooke Henderson has had a ton of success at before. On our Wednesday radio show right here on TSN 1050, we'll have a full preview of what we can expect from Brooke Henderson this week. Well, that wraps up Hour 1 here on GTC. To kick off Hour 2, Jamie Rydell joins me on the phone to recap the U.S. Open. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully.
Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. This is the back nine right here on GTC. Hour two coming up a little later in the hour. Kristen Murphy, our golf reporter, on her perspective from the U.S. Open. Etienne Papineau, who just won on PGA Tour Canada on a Sunday. And now joining us on the line, TSN producer extraordinaire Jamie Rydell. Jamie, how are you this morning? What's happening, Scully? What is what is going on? Good to have you on the show again. Uh, what was your overall perspective on from what you saw from LACC at the U.S. Open? It was kind of a weird tournament. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just it was just odd that the like there was a better atmosphere Sunday, but Thursday, Friday, there was like zero atmosphere, mm-hmm. zero. Um, the course got tougher as the week went on. Uh, I think we were all surprised by Thursday, but still scoring records everywhere. Um, it just proves that if your greens are soft, these guys just can dominate um, whenever they want. So, you know, I, I think there's I think for their next one, which is not which is a, you know about 15 years down the line, but there's got to be some changes there um, to have a better U.S. Open uh, that we're accustomed to. Uh, at LACC. Yeah, and, you know, changes, I mean, f- personally, the one that I've spoken to at length on this show already this morning is that, that 18th hole and just mm-hmm. how wide that fairway was where yep. where Wyndham Clark, I mean, and I think it was on purpose, really, some sort of, a, you know, his miss or a safety shot or a second serve, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. if you want to put it to a tennis pro- or a comparison, would be, you know, that shot he hit on the 18th hole where he knew he had 60 yards to work with in that fairway. So he could hit a big shot that curved upwards of 150 feet, a big slice, basically, with the driver and still be in the fairway. What we've seen from past U.S. Open Classic courses where, you know, the fairway's, the fairway's half as wide. Is that one area you would uh, take a look at? Yeah, I, th- I think so. But also, the one thing, though, is you still want there to be some sort of a- some sort of risk reward thing for a Sunday, especially on an 18th hole. That you know that bur- that hole was not easy to birdie. The last three holes, as a matter of fact, were not easy to birdie. So I think they can pinch that in a bit um, because it really it really wasn't an issue. And even if you were a little bit off, it didn't really matter. You can just bomb it down there and do it and, and figure it out. Um, I just, you know, and me, like for a par 70 course to have three par fives is a little strange. Yeah. I didn't mind the par threes. I was a little curious about those. But that 15th hole seemed pretty pretty decent. You know, yeah. you had a couple of hold ones and even though they played at 85 yards, it still wasn't the crazy easiest thing to do. Um so I, I just think, you know, I, you know, we all they all they did was talk about the ticket sales, you know, everywhere. I think, you know, when it's a major championship and the Canadian Open had better atmosphere, totally the week before, like completely, it shouldn't be that way. Um, nothing against the the Canadian Open, obviously, you know, the fans show up, but a major championship should have a really big atmosphere. You would think 100% and a tournament with that much history, too, and that much on the line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a pretty a, a good finish, obviously, down the stretch yeah. by Wyndham Clark. And, you know, he opened the week with 85-1 to 1 odds on FanDuel to win. He won on the PGA Tour four or five weeks ago. But he was really, obviously, under the radar heading into this week. But right. just overall, how impressed were you by Wyndham Clark, especially yeah. on the weekend? Yeah, yeah. He, I, I didn't think he would hang on, personally. Mm-hmm. I thought it was that group, Rory or Scheffler, whichever one had the better day. Um, I know Scotty was a, a little bit further back than Rory, but that I thought that group was 
the winner. Um, but he, you know, again, what he did, you know, he made a couple. He could be made a couple really nice saves, and then when he did bogey, he was still able to kind of get it back. You know, he birdied the par five on, on a, the, the par five on the back, and that was. You know, real, that's how he won. You know, the bogeys, everybody had t- uh, had trouble from 16 to 18. So the fact that he made two, you know, he made his bogeys, but it didn't matter. You know, he kind of bounced, he was able to bounce back the entire Sunday. So that was, that part was impressive. But again, playing well coming in, right? Um, so, you know, form matters, but he just, you know, when you can bomb the ball like that and, and he, his putter survived. So I was pretty impressed because I thought it was, I thought Rory was going to win at the beginning of the day personally. Yeah. And, and even too, you, you mentioned Rory there and the way he played that first hole, you know, the bomb down the, mm-hmm. the down the first tee or the first fairway and then hit a pretty disciplined shot to call it 25 feet and nearly jar the Eagle putt. But then from there, this was sort of circa last July at St. Andrews, again for Rory McIlroy. Now, you know, 19 top 10s in the majors since 2014 without a win. What, what, what's next, do you think, for Rory McIlroy as we head to an Open Championship in four or five I, weeks? I honestly think his game's probably in better shape than it's been in the last little bit. Yeah. You know, he, played, he did play it safe, but again, it's a U.S. Open test that was hard. But, you know, I think... You know, he kind of played that safe. He was hitting safe shots, make par, and hopefully make a birdie here and there. You know, he had the one bad shot. He had one bad shot on the 14th. Yep. And and that cost him the tournament. Um, but I still think trending towards Hoy Lake is one there. So um, I think he's trending perfectly. I, I, I don't worry about Rory anymore. Hopefully all this, all this stuff is gone that he had to deal with off the course, mm-hmm. and now he can just be Rory McIlroy, the golfer, for a little bit and see where that takes him. Yeah, and, and be freewheeling. And, you know, you could tell, I mean, obviously he was supposed to speak to the media early uh, for the pre-tournament press conference, canceled that, did a walk-and-talk interview with Golf Channel, but it was nothing to do with the merger news, with anything right. off the golf course. It seems like he's freewheeling now. You mentioned 2014 at Hoya Lake. Of course, he won that tournament, that Open Championship, his uh, lone Claret Jug title. But the guy who came runner-up that week, was Ricky Fowler. And how about Ricky Fowler's renaissance? We can call it this. I know, Jamie, a couple of years ago, around 2020, we were doing some pieces with Bob all about, you know, where is Ricky Fowler gone and dropping to 173rd in the official world golf ranking. And sure, he didn't play well on Sunday, but just from an overall fan perspective, this is one of the most popular players in the world of golf, and it's great to see him back playing some great golf, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It really is. He is one of the most popular players in the world, and it was perplexing what has happened to him. Yeah. Um, but it seems like this year has been a. There's been a difference. Um, he's gone to the new putter style. It, like he was always a pretty good. He was always yeah. a really good putter, and then that kind of went away. Uh-huh. And now I, I just think now he's this year is you know he's bounced back. You know, other players have had it. Jordan, we went. Jordan went through it recently too. Um, but you know. We want to see the Ricky Fowler that finished runner-up in four majors. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in 2014, he's a popular player. He brings people people respond to him, and viewers will watch him. So, I was I thought after he shot the Thursday that he kind of fall back a bit, but he didn't really. Mm-hmm. You know that like his stretch at the U.S. Open where he had like a what do you have 13, 14 birdies and 24 holes. 
Yeah, it was some. It, it was it was eighteen and thirty six for sure, which is bizarre. Yeah, it was nuts um, at a U.S. Open, which you know speaks to how it was playing early on in the week. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really nice to have Ricky Fowler back in the mix. Yeah, yeah, and and this wasn't just a one off too. He's had seven top tens this season on That's the right. PGA Tour, so he's played a lot of great golf. And I, yeah, I'm sure this was trending. Yeah, it definitely was trending, and I'm sure we'll see Fowler, you know, get in the mix again, you know, as soon as the Open Championship. And I know something like the Ryder Cup is certainly on his radar too. And another yeah. player who will definitely be on that U.S. Ryder Cup team, of course, is Scotty Scheffler. And yep. uh, you know, it's another strange week, really, where it's, he was sort of, kind of in the mix. Yeah, it seemed there, like. Right? And then he finishes in third, which is similar to, you know, the PGA Championship. He sort of backdoored his way, you know, in, into a, into a mm-hmm. T3 as well, uh, or T2 at the PGA. Now three straight top tens for Scheffler at the U.S. Open. But it's sort of like, meh. Yeah. What did you think about Scheffler? Hey, well, hey, well, again, it was it's impressive his run, right? Yeah. He clearly doesn't have his best stuff. Mm-hmm. But yet here we are. It's another high finish. He hasn't been out of the top 12 since last October. <laughs> Um, which is ridiculous. Crazy. Like, it really is ridiculous. And has he had his best stuff that whole time? Uh, no, he hasn't. And, and it's, it's just, it's just incredible that he's able to do this mm-hmm. with, you know, maybe a little suspect putter. Um, but, you know, aside from, he wasn't really a threat though. At all. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. But here we are talking about another top five finish at a major. And, and that's just where we're at with him. He's, you know, you, th- you think about it, John Rahm has struggled the last couple of majors, mm-hmm. right? And he's playing just as good as Scheffler, but Scheffler just manages to stay in it. Um, and again, circling back to Hoy Lake, you know, it's, it's the same, it's been the same guys at the majors contending really um, for all three of them. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. And, you know, before we let you go, Jamie, you've got to bring up that Hoya Lake, too, uh, where the Open Championship is. Because right now, Rory McIlroy, the betting favorite on FanDuel, mm-hmm. plus 800. Scotty Scheffler, plus 850. John Rahm, plus 900. Brooks Kepka 1,200. So, Scotty Scheffler was the overwhelming betting favorite heading in to this right. past week's U.S. Open at around plus 600. Very short yeah. odds. but. Let's take those three. Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm. If you were making a pick right now of those three, who are you picking? Rory. Okay. I okay. think I think it's Rory. It's, I, I don't really hesitate. Um, yeah. I just really think with all this behind him, the off-the-course stuff, we're starting to see him play better. Mm-hmm. Um, his speeds on the green were, were really good yeah. for most of the tournament, right, at the U.S. Open, and that's, that's where Rory struggles. Um, so... Come the open, I believe. Uh, I believe Rory should be the betting favorite, honestly. Yeah, and I, I can't wait for that open championship where yeah. you know with us and and Weeksy and and producer Mike Kaczynski who's on his way back with the guys from LA. Now we'll be doing a bunch of uh, little video essays and content for Golf yeah. Talk Canada for Sports Center for TSN.ca on Rory McIlroy on that quest to get that fifth career major. What a wild time! It's been hard to believe since it's been 2014. Yeah, it's it's still nuts that that's the last time he's won. Um, but it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And can't wait for that. And I know this week too, Jamie, you're excited as well because Brooke Henderson's back playing in an LPGA major too. Yep, I know. And uh, you know, again, she didn't have the greatest week last week, but hopefully, Brooke, when the time's right, and she's won this tournament before, that uh, 
you know, she's always a threat. No matter how, no matter how this year's gone, she still does have a win this year. Um, it's her only top ten, but she has won this year. So hopefully, uh, you know, we're another week, another major, and another Canadian. Uh, this time, Brooke Henderson can be in the mix. Yeah, that that certainly uh, would be awesome. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for your time this morning. Really appreciate it, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right, talk to you soon. Okay, that is Jamie Rydell. Does all things uh, CFL golf with TSN. He is a very busy man. So thanks to Jamie for taking some time with me this morning. On the other side, going to switch gears here a little bit to talk about PGA Tour Canada. Etienne Papineau, the latest winner on PGA Tour Canada, and he'll join me next. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio recapping the U.S. Open. Wyndham Clark wins his first career major championship, second ever victory on PGA Tour. For Wyndham Clark, a one-shot victory over Rory McIlroy. Scotty Scheffler coming in third. Cam Smith, a couple shots off the pace. Xander Shoffley, who was one of my TSN edge picks among those notables, coming up short at LACC. Very entertaining week overall, and of course, we'll be back TSN 2 tomorrow evening at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 Pacific for a full recap of the U.S. Open. We'll also look ahead to next week, the LPGA Tour, where the KPMG Women's PGA Championship is taking place. Brooke Henderson won the KPMG back in 2016. That was her first major championship victory, and she's looking to get back and uh, get her second victory this season on the LPGA Tour. But now switching gears a little bit on PGA Tour Canada, it was the Royal Beach Victoria Open, and Etienne Papineau won by five shots, and he now joins me on the line right here on Golf Talk Canada. Etienne, welcome to GTC. Hey, how are you? Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. First of all, congratulations on the victory. A scintillating Sunday 64. Walk us through your performance in the final round. Yeah, no, I started off uh, extremely well on on the front nine. I made five birdies. uh, um, uh, So that was an opening front nine of 30. Um, I tried not to look at the leaderboard up until hole 16. Uh, and then I birdied 15, which was a really, I was a big birdie, a big, uh, huge moment in the round. Uh, and then I got on the 16th tee and I looked at the leaderboards for the first time of, during the, of the day. And, uh, I saw I was uh, leading by three or four at that point. So, uh, um, no, I was just, it was an amazing day, an amazing week. Um, uh, but yesterday was definitely a big round for me. Uh, no bogeys as well. Uh, I stuck to my game plan and, uh, yeah, I executed it extremely well, and uh, I'm really proud of myself. It was a big week and a big, uh, big moment in my in my career. So you mentioned not looking at leaderboards, but when you did look for the first time, were you surprised to see that you had that lead? Um, 
a little well not surprised i was just i just thought maybe because the conditions yesterday it was a little bit windy but not as bad as the third round on saturday so i thought in my mind when before i i uh, i teed off from uh, yesterday morning i you know i thought i needed at least a five or six under because uh, we were four guys i put tie at 12 under so i figured probably one guy was gonna you know go low so i, I expect i expected the scores to be probably a little better mm-hmm. uh but i mean uh yeah when i when i when i saw I was leading by three or four i mean you never know you never know what what's going to happen right so i i try to stay focused uh and execute my, my game plan uh the same way i did for the the rest of the weekend that's what i did i mean uh came up on 18 and I saw again on, on the 18 green as I was leading by four. So uh, when I hit the green, it kind of sunk in a little bit. And yeah, I mean, what a great week. What a moment for me. Well, and it was a great week for you. And I understand that you got, had some great uh, fan reaction. You were one of the, one of the crowd favorites uh, at, uh, at Uplands Golf Club. What was that like? No, it was awesome. Having the crowd following uh, me and, and George uh, the final day was, a, was, was really awesome. I mean, uh, they've been awesome to me. Uh, they were cheering me on the whole week, and uh, it was—it's definitely a special feeling to win in Canada as well. I mean, uh, uh, I think I was the first Quebecer to uh, win since 2013, so uh, it, no, it was definitely a great moment, and um, I'm glad I, I got to share this with with uh, all the Canadian fans. And uh, it's uh, yeah, hopefully, it's just the, the beginning of it. Yeah, you mentioned that right there. First Quebec-born player to win on PGA Tour Canada since 2013. Expand on that if you could. Just how how significant is that? No, I mean it's it's huge. Uh, I didn't know up until yesterday when the uh, Scott Pritchard told, told me after on the 18 green uh, when we're doing a ceremony. He said that uh, yeah, I was the first first Quebec-born player to win since uh, Max Gilbert in 2013. So. I mean, it means a lot. Um, I just think the Canadian golf is uh, is going in the right direction. We're trending well, and uh, hopefully, there will be more more Canadians or more guys, uh, Quebecers, winning this 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 year on the on on the tour. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's as I said, it's it's a great moment for for me and for Quebec golf, Quebec and golf Canada. It's, as I said, I hope there's more. More uh, Canadians that's going to win in in the future. We're with Etienne Papineau, the winner of the PGA Tour Canada Royal Beach Victoria Open. So you mentioned that ceremony, you get the trophy, and then you look at your phone for the first time. What kind of reactions you get from friends and family? Yes, I mean, I I've uh, my phone was was blowing up for uh, <laughs> blowing up for a bit, uh, but it, it's so great to see that so many people uh, uh, supports me and. Uh, uh, send me messages every day. I have a lot of people sending me, especially my family, sending me messages every day uh, before each round. You know, um, and as I said yesterday in in, in the uh, ceremony, it's I'm I'm really grateful to have such a, a great team around me. My my family, my parents, my coaches, uh, my girlfriend, everybody around me has been extremely uh, supportive, and I I think that's really important. Uh, and that's part of success for a player is having a great team around you and uh, that brings you up uh, every day and makes uh, try to you know make the best out of you and uh, 
I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to have a, an amazing team around me. Yeah, as you should. And that team was obviously very valuable to you this past December when you went through surgery. So how satisfying is it for you to come all the way back after battling through surgery, those hours of rehab, to be back in the winner's circle? No, it's, uh, it's crazy. Uh, the first part of winter was a little bit rough. Uh, recovered extremely well from the surgery, and then I ended up injuring myself uh, doing rehab for my, my surgery. Uh, so I ended up, yeah, ended up injuring myself somewhere else. And that took a little longer than expected. So, yeah, the first part of winter was a little bit, you know, it was really long, really tough on me. Um, and then when I came back, I probably came back a little bit too early uh, at first. Um, so then I had to step back again and then heal everything first before I came back for good. And that's what I did. And, uh, yeah, the, spent a lot of time in the rehab at physio. And uh, But as I said, I, I have a great team around me, and they've helped me a lot uh, to get through it. And um, now I'm finally back. Uh, I got back in uh, mid-April, and uh, since then it's been amazing. Uh, 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 golf game feels really good and hopefully it's just you know I keep working at it and just keep trying to keep getting better every day you're back in a big way but now you have a win under your belt how does that change your expectations now for the rest of the PGA Tour Canada season uh you know I just gotta you know go back to what I was doing the, the, this week or the week before uh, I think I mean it's nothing new it's just I I got I have the feeling it's just a, a new week this week, a new new start, and it's just it's a completely different course. So you know, just gonna do what I what I normally do, uh, stick to my game plan. I think that's the biggest part. I'm normally the type of guy that I'm a little aggressive on the course, and sometimes when I you know don't uh, don't stick to my game plan, that's that's when mistakes happens. And uh, but that that's what I said this week. Uh, I really stuck to it, so I gotta, you know, gotta do the same thing moving forward this summer. And uh, you know, every every week is a new start, and uh, I just gotta, you know, gotta keep doing what I'm doing, and we'll see at the end of the season. But it's yeah, definitely a good start of the season. Well, you're the first Quebec-born winner on PGA Tour Canada since 2013. Etienne, congratulations on the win. Thanks so much for joining us, and good luck this coming week in Saskatchewan. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. That's Etienne Papineau, the latest winner on PGA Tour Canada. And as I've mentioned on this show before, one of the favorite things we do here on Golf Talk Canada is getting to speak with these winners right after getting it done on PGA Tour Canada as these people are looking to become, you know, the next Corey Connors, the next Brooke Henderson. So to get to tell their stories is always a joy. Coming up on the other side, we'll get back into the U.S. Open with our golf reporter, Kristen Murphy, who will join us right here in studio. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live. 
Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada on TSN 1050 and TSN 2, as we always are, Mondays after majors and big events. And I've been all by myself here in studio for the first 90 minutes until right now, where our golf reporter Kristen Murphy now joins us. Hello, Murph. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are yeah. You? Oh, grand. Great. Thank you. Good to be back. Good to be here with you here uh, for the U.S. Open recap show. And Wyndham Clark, now a major champion. You were doing the highlights for Sports Center throughout the week, the weekend, the works. Overall, Wyndham Clark, how impressed were you by his win? I was so impressed by his win. I mean, we know he won about a month ago at the Wells Fargo, picking up his first PGA Tour win. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, even though he was playing well, he still right. wasn't really on the radar yeah. um, coming into this one as a favorite. But given the leaderboard on Sunday, you have Ricky right there. Um, you have Scotty Scheffler sniffing around. You know, it's it was all about his up and downs, and it came down to mm-hmm. his short game, and he did put himself in some prickly situations. But he Both was able literally to, and figuratively. Literally, sorry. yes. But he was able to do what he needed to do to not make a big number. Right. And it's the U.S. Open. That's ultimately what it tends to come down to, even mm-hmm. though this U.S. Open didn't really feel like a traditional one as far as the carnage. I, earlier... Last week when we were talking about what it's going to look like, we talked about the Barenka extensively, and it didn't. I didn't see as many shots and as much carnage as I expected to and as I wanted to, if I'm being honest. Oh, totally. And it's, I mean, so the lead was 8-under after day one. 10-under won this golf tournament. And sure, you know, the marine layer in play really made things so much easier on, on Thursday. But it, the golf course itself, it just seemed... There were a lot of expectations going into the week, a lot of prestige around LACC, but... Like you said, overall, it just seemed kind of, I mean, the atmosphere wasn't great. No, I think that played such a big role in all of this because we're used to the massive crowds. And never mind at a major, we saw it last week at the Canadian Open. Mm -hmm. Rabid fans. And it never really felt like that. At times, it kind of felt like you're at the Air Canada Centre with the Coyotes in town on a Tuesday night. And that, I no disrespect. No, no, it's fine. But, um, you know, it didn't have the jam that we're used to. And then you have these uncharacteristic low scores not one but two 62s and so everything sort of felt off and it just felt like an odd u.s open for multiple reasons but i think the atmosphere played a massive role in the lack of interest in this one for yeah me. and it seemed too like you know bob was saying in hour one that there wasn't like a big grandstand behind the 18th no. green like there's that like so I, I was looking back to you know chambers bay in 2015 which was a different setup for sure aaron hills which was another so another sort of weirder different setup i would put this in that same category mm-hmm. too it's like not your traditional u.s open setups but something that they're trying and hey they're going back in 2039 so just 16 just years to yawns from now which is wild but, i mean they can figure it out right given uh, how much time you would hope but so that that 18th hole yes you know 60 yard wide fairway wyndham clark to me looks like he hits this like banana slice oh, yeah. this extreme safety second serve shot if you will to get it in play Mm-hmm. it's sort of the drama wasn't really there. No, no. And I would say maybe the most drama was on 14 when Rory found himself mm-hmm. in that whole debacle, the embedded lie. He gets yeah. a break, but then he can't capitalize on no. it. He can't take advantage. He ends up bogeying the hole when on, it could have been a worse number, but had he drained that putt, you have Wyndham Clark waiting in the fairway to hit his approach. You could see him. He's trying to stay loose. This is a major moment for him, for mm-hmm. his career. He's not on the level of Rory and Scotty and Rom and these other guys. So it kind of felt like, it, you know, are we icing the kicker here a little bit? Could we see something wild from Wyndham? 
And then he hits, what, from about 280, that approach to about 20 feet, mm-hmm. two putts for birdie, Rory bogey, and then it kind of, that was sort of it. Rory didn't make any putts of significance, yeah. of note, and, you know, his advantage off the tee didn't really play a factor this week. Totally, and, you know, you mentioned that shot on 14 by Clark, and we've talked about a short game at length, but that fairway would... A, the shot in there. B, the 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 Neil reaction oh, so to good. not tear your ACL doing yeah. that. Like, that he's looked like he, he's, he's hitting it like an athlete, too. Yes. And that's what his caddy said. On and on and on. And this, you know, I, I made this comparison to Bob as well. Sort of comparing Clark and Kepka almost when Kepka first won the U.S. Open. Because we hadn't, we'd seen great athletes obviously win. But Kepka sure. was this big, burly guy with the yep. tight shirts and benching 225 the morning of winning the U.S. Open 15 times. Can't believe that still. But Clark is, he's on that same level of, you know, he just rips at the golf ball yes. no matter the distance, doesn't he? He really does. But interesting that that wasn't the reason he won yeah. yesterday. Yeah. That felt like that was the biggest factor in the mm-hmm. Wells Fargo win. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for a guy that's ranked 32nd in the world to get it done over those other players that really, I mean, I think most people wanted, golf fans wanted a Ricky-Rory showdown. And going back to actually the third round, you have Ricky three-putting the 18th green, making bogey. He no longer has the outright lead coming into today. He's tied, and Wyndham Clark fired a dart into 18 on in the third round yeah. to put himself where he did. And I, I don't want to say that played a major factor, but right. it leaves a bad taste in your mouth going into the final round. That's your last memory before you're expected to go out and make earn a championship mm-hmm. and then Ricky, you know, three bogeys in his first seven holes, you're not going to make a bunch of birdies on the back nine. So he was out of it so early and that was also really disappointing it, for the overall story of the open. Yeah, it was, but you know, uh, from an overall now look ahead factor for Fowler, he has seven top tens this season, mm-hmm. you know, 173rd in the world ranking a couple of years ago. And now he is where he is. This is all systems go now for one of the most popular popular players on tour. He looks great. Obviously, he's setting records for the number of birdies. And I just mm-hmm. wonder, maybe he just kind of ran out of gas. Yeah. You know, it's hard to win any tournament wire to wire, let alone a U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. And he's, but he's, you know, slowly climbing back. And he, it feels like he's back. Yeah. If you sort of put yesterday's round aside. And if you go back to what Brooks Kepka said about how much more you can learn from failure and not getting it done so that, you know, when you do get it done, it's that much more rewarding and it's just like life experience kind of stuff. So if that plays a role for Ricky the way it did for Brooks, then I expect Ricky to still get it done. And it's it's not it's not a loss or a failure, him not getting it done this week. Maybe a little bit of a squandered opportunity, but I expect him to be back in this position soon. Very soon, yeah. And it's, you know, it's great to see him play as well as he has and a big reason for both Wyndham Clark's win and Ricky Fowler's success is that putter, which apparently it's the same thing. So have you ordered that same putter yet? Not yet. No, not yet. That might Certainly be. it's on yeah. my mind. Yeah. Scotty Scheffler might want to consider it. So Scotty Scheffler. It, but... So when you're 138th on the PGA tour in strokes game putting, and you haven't finished outside <laughs> the top 12 since October. It's insane. Like it, He is, he is robotic from tee to green. Yes. But what can you say about like, he's got to get be frustrated at some point, right? For sure. But I, I, it's interesting. You can tell he doesn't really want to talk about it. And I, clearly it's not because it's not actually happening. Mm-hmm. It's happening. The numbers are what the numbers are. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to think that it might be keeping him up at night. Although he is one of the more easygoing guys in the golf world, I, I don't know. That would plague anybody. And I really thought, you know, fireworks at the end of his third round, 
pull out for eagle from, you know, 170 odd mm-hmm. yards mm-hmm. and then he birdies 18. Those are difficult holes. That is a difficult, long closing stretch of golf. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, this thing in my mind, I'm like Scotty's going to win. Scotty's yeah. going to win again. He'll figure out the putter on Sunday. It didn't quite happen, but once again, he's a story, and he's on the leaderboard. It's it's incredible what he's doing. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, top tens in all three majors so far this season for Scotty Scheffler. So it's been impressive. And, you know, Rory McIlroy, someone else, too, who we saw the St. Andrews last year at Open Championship. You know, he hits all 18 greens in regulation last year on that Sunday. He hit 16 greens this time around. You wonder, you know, we said he he said afterwards how, you know, this next one's going to be so sweet, yeah, but you would go through a hundred days. Yeah. To, to get this again. Yeah. But do you think this is, is it scar tissue at some point? Like, what, what do you think? It's hard to think that it's anything else. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like, I feel like we're repeating the same thing. Like Rory mm. on a Sunday has a chance to end the drought. It's been nine years since 2014. And then he comes up short and it wasn't like he played poorly. He just didn't go out and get it. Like the way Cam Smith went out and got the Open Championship. Right. Rory, stuck in neutral seems to be a bit of a theme. He's great off the tee. The wedges look dicey at times. And he's not draining some of those putts that you really need to fall in, a few of them, to find yourself on the top at the end of the week. Yeah, 162nd on the PGA Tour in strokes er, in uh, approaches from 125 to 150 Good yards. That, that just ain't going to cut it. But So we've hit a bunch of the storylines that have happened throughout the U.S. Open week. Yeah. But... Some surprises, too, weren't there? Big-time surprises. Brooks Kepka comes to mind. Mm-hmm. He was certainly one of the favorites coming in. He seemed to have the mojo, the confidence. I'm not sure anyone has more confidence than him. No. But then a 71 in the first round when there are 62s out there, mm-hmm. that really felt like the typical, you know, you can't win a tournament on Thursday, but you can certainly lose one. And I to be that far back after the first round was pretty shocking. Yeah. The 62s were shocking, but his, his over-par round surprised me a lot um and then he also made comments like he didn't like the course and it's like well yeah you no kidding shot what you shot yeah and certainly that wouldn't have been the case yeah if you were right there in the mix and then you have max homa who i loved coming into this week the california kid he thrives in his home state four of his pga tour wins four of his six coming in california and you know it means so much to him like he really wears his emotions on his sleeve he's mm-hmm. so active in social media he always gives a good soundbite and this one, he really wanted to perform well and then to miss the cut. Three double bogeys on Friday and his buddy JT also. My third surprise for this week, Justin Thomas, 81 on yeah, Friday. Yeah, that was, uh, you wonder if something's going on. You wonder if there's an injury something. or something. Yeah. I mean, hopefully everything's, you know, okay for his sake. But he, we saw him take to Twitter Yes. On Sunday with uh so him and Max they were having rosé together. Did I see that I right? Love, I just love thinking about the two of them having rosé together. Yeah, I'm not sure how that was the cocktail of choice. And yeah, and and PGA Tour sending going. them the, you know, we'll send you the yes. DM uh, with their password. So that that yeah. was something. But for Justin Thomas, I mean, he, this season's been brutal for him. Yeah, T65 at the Wells Fargo, missed cut at the Memorial. Yeah. And then missed cut this week also missed cut at the Masters, just very uncharacteristic. But we've seen players come out and be open about hitting slumps like we saw it earlier this season with Billy Horschel and JT had sort of similar comments and just like I have never felt worse about my game mm. and, but you don't hear that from him yeah. very often uh, and you have to think yeah I wouldn't be surprised if there's something else going on that maybe he's not disclosing 
Um, or maybe it's just a slump, as we do see often on the PGA Tour. But either way, he only beat three guys this week, and that is shocking. He's one of the best players in the world. Yeah, really shocking for JT, and hopefully we see him back playing a little better here soon. Okay, so we've seen three men's majors. We have John Rahm at the Masters. We had Brooks Kepka at the PGA. We had Wyndham Clark at the U.S. Open. Purely from an entertainment factor, which major got you out of your seat the most? Put you on the spot there. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say probably the Masters. Yeah. Just given who was in the mix and mm-hmm. John Rahm being such a deserving champion, mm-hmm. it wasn't no offense to Wyndham Clark, but that sort of felt like it came out of left field. Whereas a guy like John Rahm, who's been having such a spectacular season and such an amazing career to this point, it was inevitable that he would earn a green jacket. And so to me, that one, the emotions after he's such an emotional guy. That one had a lot of jam Mm -hmm. and that was probably my favorite of the three so far, but the open championship is my favorite major. And uh, we're about a month away from that one. Yes, we are. You know, wake up with a coffee and watch that. It's one of my great, great moments of the summer. Uh, Now we saw, okay. So the PJ championship, there were some moments that uh, you put into the Sports Center highlight packs, whether it was John Rahm breaking microphones or just shenanigans. <laughs> but there wasn't really much of that this past week, was there, in terms of sort of no. off-kilter sort of weirdness? Cyril Hatton was the only one who right. he smashed a, a T-box marker. Oh. Um, oh. But, I mean, that's he's a guy we sort of see that from on such right. a regular basis that it, it doesn't jump out at you mm-hmm. quite as much. But, yeah, I... I don't know. I, I crave the carnage that U.S. Opens tend to bring, and yeah. I, it didn't feel like there was a ton of that. And I think part of that was the conditions. Had it had the wind picked up more, you know, we would have seen higher numbers. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we sort of got there in the end. The greens baked out, as you said, the marine layer burning off. Um, but it almost felt a little bit too late, in a yeah. way. Yeah. So, I don't know. It was just an odd one. Yeah, and now it's sort of the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship are kind of morphing in together. In the last five yeah. years, the average winning score at the PGA Championship, minus right. 8.2 under par. Same score, exactly, for the U.S. Open, which is just it's just kind of weird. No, right? and it's it's sort of like, seems like the U.S. Open has a bit of an identity crisis right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that you want to see just treacherous, rough, and guys hacking it out. And you want to see some of the finer finesse shots and... I don't know. I have such mixed feelings about LACC because there were aspects that I liked yeah. and it was interesting yeah. and I'd like to go there. I'd like to play it. Not that they would ever allow me in because it's hey. so exclusive. Right? You never know. So exclusive. Um, but I, I don't know. It, it didn't come off the way I expected it. Totally. To. Totally. Yeah. And it seemed, you know, every player at the start of the week, oh, this is the nicest piece of property I've yes. ever been on. And I'm sure, you know, weather conditions, that's a big factor. But yeah, it was just... It was a little odd. It was a little different, but I'm sure they'll make adjustments uh, going going forward. Okay, before we let you go, mm-hmm. have to ask, Open Championship, yeah. four or five weeks away. Rory McIlroy's a betting favorite, plus 800. Scotty Scheffler, plus 850. John Rahm, plus 900. All those odds on FanDuel. Of those three, if you're picking one guy, who's the guy? I'm going with Rory. Rory. Maybe that's an no, emotional like pick, an yep. emotionally charged pick, because I just really want him to get the monkey off his back mm-hmm. and the drought and, and just have a new, fresher storyline um, because it's it's just getting a little bit tiresome. Yeah. And we're, we're constantly talking about it. I can't imagine what it's like to be in his skin and feeling that every time you tee it up in a major. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like Jordan Spieth going for the career slam. It is a storyline until it's not. And so 
I think the best case scenario would be a Rory McIlroy Open Championship win. That would End be, it. End oh, it all. That'd be very, very <laughs> exciting. Uh, okay, now, seriously, before letting you go, I have to give a shout-out to, to our guy, David Lannis, from the College of Sports oh. Media, as a lot of people who work at TSN are from the College of Sports Media. He's watching right now. Oh. Thanks, Dave, for watching. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, Dave Lannis, our guy. Our guy, Dave. Now, you're off to do Golf Talk Canada production duty. Uh, I know you're one of your favorite things to do every week, Shots of the Week. Any any notable ones coming out tomorrow? I mean, the three hole-in-ones. Yeah. However, Matt Fitzpatrick even said, he's like, I expected a louder roar. He was a little disappointed <laughs> in the crowds. I mean, to not have a loud yeah. reaction from one of the best players in the world at a U.S. Open yep. after an ace. He's also the defending champion, and he... Felt it was a little flat. Mm-hmm. However, with the shots of the week tape, we're gonna we're gonna make it hype as we always do. You'll see the hype version oh, of yeah. the shots of the week that's Talk coming up on our first airing of Golf Talk Canada Television tomorrow night, eleven PM on TSN two. Murph, thanks for your time today. Thanks, Adam. Okay, we'll wrap up GTC after this. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac. Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of Lightstrike and Lightstrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Wrapping up this morning's edition of Golf Talk Canada with some leaderboard updates. Leaderboard updates are brought to you by Bushnell Golf, the number one range finder in the world of golf. For much more information, check out bushnellgolf.com. PGA Tour Canada, Royal Beach Victoria Open. Etienne Papineau, who joined us on the show about 40 minutes ago, your champion there, a dominating five-shot victory. Rounds of 64, 65, 69, 64 for Etienne Papineau. On the LPGA Tour, the Meyer LPGA Classic, Leona Maguire, a two-shot victory over Arya Jatanagarn, top Canadian, Brooke Henderson, T42, big week this week it's a major the kpmg women's pga championship brooke henderson has won it before back in 2016 looking for her third career major and her second victory of the season we'll have much more on brooke henderson coming up on our wednesday edition of golf talk canada right here on tsn 1050 as well of course the u.s open wyndham clark your winner 10 under par, a one-shot victory over Rory McIlroy. Clark gets it done in just his seventh career major start. How awesome was that? 20 weeks of tailor-made continues here on Golf Talk Canada. Check out our social media channels for the champions of this past week's fantasy pool. And for what we're giving away this week in 20 weeks of tailor-made, already halfway through 20 weeks of tailor-made. For much more, check out our website at golftalkcanada.com. Well, this wraps up our first U.S. Open recap special of the week. We are back Tuesday night, tomorrow night, 11 p.m. on TSN2. We'll have a full look back on the U.S. Open. We'll also look ahead this week uh, to the LPGA Major, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship as well. We'll make our TSN Edge Picks. 
for the Travelers Championship. Thank you to everyone who joined me around the table today over the phone or in studio. Looking forward to our next show on Tuesday. Wyndham Clark, a U.S. Open champion. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, the first good decision for the golf course always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of Lightstrike and Lightstrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.